0: Welcome to Book Talk, and I'm your host, Anthony Moirore. At Book Talk, we get to have an author come and tell us about his book or her book. And today, great day, where we are going to hear of a book known as Caged. It's an interesting book, but we'll get to hear, hear everything from the author herself, because she's with us. So without taking one more minute, I'm going to introduce to the show Rala Sabanosh. And I hope I got that right. You did. Yes, okay. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, and we are honored that you took your time to come and share with us uh, something to do with your book, Caged. And uh, yeah, uh, here we are. But before we go into the book, we'd like to know you. Who, who are you? Where are you from? maybe where you grew up or something like that.
1: Sure. Um, Well, a little bit uh, about me before uh, the book. Um, I grew up in um, pretty, uh, actually, it's pretty boring, but I guess, um, but I grew up in various parts of the country. Um, My parents, um, my mom and dad, and I have a brother, um but um east and west coast uh, a little bit down in the um south and um so i got to see a lot of different things as i was growing up um, met a lot of different people um and uh, my parents were very much into um you know um my brother and i learning um not just being uh educated but um life experiences as we moved around the country um getting involved in community and um different um different parts of of wherever we were um and then eventually i i went off to school um and um i was always involved in some type of um helping um field um even before I I went off to school and working with somebody, um, whether through volunteering or um, jobs, and um, eventually getting into um, the psychology fields and um, education as well and teaching throughout Mm -hmm. the years. Um, And uh, I I was, even throughout my career, you know, whether it was working with service members, you know, community efforts, um, military. Uh, it's just been a part of who I am even before. Um, I'm now retired. I have two beautiful daughters who have gone on themselves. I have one that's graduating, um, which I'm so proud. Um, and I have my older daughter who has graduated herself with two degrees and um, and have gone on to be very independent. Um, beautiful young women um and um so for now i am um retired with um working i do i have to rescue animals and um that is a big thing for me now as well and uh, so at these days what i have the book that has come out is a memoir um because with that i'm also um, a survivor of domestic violence and Mm. I have gone into outreach um, talking about um, what life is like for many of us that have um, lived through those experiences and um, a part of that life as well. Because while I didn't grow up um, living a life of abuse, I spent my adult life living that as
0: well. Mm. And when you talk of the country, you're talking about the United States of America. Yes. So as
1: as we talked, I know that you are over in uh, Greece,
0: um,
1: but I'm here in um, the United States. Um, So I grew up um, when I was growing up. I lived um, I've lived in California, New York, Pennsylvania, down in Florida and different parts Um, when I um, and then once I was married, I also lived a little bit overseas, um, never and but mostly in the united states um so for those that are um understanding my story um while it's a universal story um it was um my story is with me in the united states
0: oh, okay so your book is caged c-a-g-e-d and the true story of abuse, betrayal, um, and G-T-M-O. And uh, G-T-M-O, at first I was confused, what is G-T-M-O? And I guess someone looking at it or hearing it for the first time would be confused as well. Can you tell us what sure. is G-T-M-O? Uh,
1: it was. It's the acronym for GetMo. Um, okay. And most people would recognize Getmo. It's the naval station in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, which is where I, um, where the last, um, for those that would be uh, military buffs or uh, uh, would understand as a duty station for um, government employees and military um, who um, are stationed um, down in Cuba. It's a closed military installation and um, my husband and I were um, down there as civilian. Um, I was there with him. He was a civilian employee uh, and ultimately I was an employee down there as well with a, a government position. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: so as the <clears throat> my husband and I met almost 20 years prior to that um, when I was home I was 19 um, when we met and I was home from college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, the Getmo was the last place um, that we w- I had lived before he
0: had died. Oh, okay. Now, uh, Caged, why did you choose the title?
1: Um, Caged was um, a reference to um, and I think that many survivors would feel this way um, and victims of domestic violence. Uh, it's a culmination of what you feel um, over time when you are in, in some respects trapped in relationships and there you don't feel like there's any place else to go. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, you know, it's, it's not that people may not know what's happening or you don't know what's happening, um, but there's no way out. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's the idea of over time, even if you felt you can get outside of the cage, the cage becomes part of who you are and, um, and still is. Um, even after all these years, it's been over seven years. Um, for me, that cage still becomes a part of who I am. Um, and while I lived through many years of domestic violence, um, the cage is sometimes becomes a safe haven too afterwards um, because it's what you become, what is what you know in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, the process when I was writing the book um, for people to understand. Um, which was a question I got asked often. Um, why don't you leave? Um, you know, why did you stay so long? Um, because it is part of our life and um, we don't necessarily know any different or think we can go any better, um, go anywhere else um, because of how we feel in these relationships. And even after years of getting out of them, um, there is a lot to work through um, from domestic violence of understanding whether or not we can get into healthy relationships afterwards Mm -hmm. and not revert back to that cage um, that we lived in for so long.
0: Yes, and as you say, I want to believe that it's not only you who's been through that. We have many, many people who go through it and they don't have an idea of how to get out of it. And so, they they continue to live and maybe even give up on life on every area of their lives because they are pressed somewhere that they don't have the strength to push out of.
1: No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I had, you know, there was a period of time where, you know, you, you have to convey to people that as time goes on, the person that you enter into the relationship with knowing explaining to people I didn't grow up this way
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so as I enter and nobody comes to you into the relationship and is and and enters into it and tells you I'm an abuser mm-hmm. can I abuse you mm-hmm. and so that the idea that you enter into these relationships well they are a wonderful person
0: mm-hmm. and
1: but as time goes on and they start becoming the person they are, then you start losing who you were before you entered the relationship. Mm-hmm. And as I would explain to people, I began to die a little bit each time the abuse started taking over, mm-hmm. um, which is where the cage would envelop me as as things would go on. Um, and so who I was, it wasn't that I ever lost who I was, but it would go so deep inside. It just felt like I was dying. Each time, another abuse, another word, another piece of me lost the control that I always felt I had. And so you do, you, it is, it is depressing. It is, um, you don't feel strong. You feel like a weak person. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of shame. Um, And so you begin going through life with a lot of, Um, you know, blanket emotion um, just to keep face um, because you don't want people to know the life you're really living.
0: Mm. And it's something good that you've done to come up with a book and tell us what goes on there. And I believe at the end of it, tell us how to come out of uh, of it because it's very good. And this is something that I always say. If you've been to some place, some challenging position, and you've come out of it, it's always good to give it out there, give the story out there, so that someone else could be helped by the words that you share and find his way or her way out of the situation. So thank you very much for writing this book. Uh, what, what, what? Thank are you the,
1: so much, two? and I, I agree. Yeah.
0: Mm, so what what are some of the experiences that you've shared in the book that you would also like to share with us on this program? I mean, did they have sure. yeah.
1: Well, you know, for for myself, you know, the idea that there is this, this notion that when you become part of systems um or you know, people have um this idea that there are greater entities out there that are, if you just say something, that mm-hmm. somebody will be there to help you. And that is, you know, where the universal um, idea of the book comes out. So even though my story is uh, within the United States, it really becomes a universal piece, regardless of the country you live in, um, because there is this, uh, a breakdown among all um, areas. For domestic violence—it becomes a dirty secret, um, regardless of where you're at, and especially here in the United States um, and within the military system here in the United States. But the the idea that if if people would just say, "I'm being I'm I'm in a relationship that has domestic violence, I'm being abused," um, that somebody will swoop in and save them, and which is where questions come back in. To victims um, and survivors, and when they're asked, "Well, why did you stay so long?" Well, who was there to help me? Um, and when I was being questioned, I, I got asked those questions by uh, agencies, and I'm like, "Well, where were you
0: when mm-hmm.
1: when I had I have had protective orders over the years, and um, there were counselors that were there and witnessed things, but that." didn't stop anything and mm-hmm. then forward many years later. So this breakdown of assistance that and, and myth that there are appropriate um, laws or um, uh, agencies that will come in and they will help victims and survivors um, is not there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's still, uh, you know, it's like a seesaw um mm-hmm. and i often say that the higher up it's just a it's a show and a fanfare um that they do about domestic violence because it's down here where people really need the resources that it's not it's not being implemented correctly mm-hmm. there here mm-hmm. in the united states we have a funding problem for um you know for shelters for for people to get um safe assistance for military dependents um to make sure that when they uh, report domestic violence that it's actually being taken um, seriously and action is being done correctly and even in my case when i'm saying i have a problem that was actually not done. As a matter of fact, when um, when the media came out regarding my story, there was actually nothing mentioned about domestic violence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know there is, um, and nor has there ever been. And you know the the idea is is that it would it's far easier to put the blame on a victim or a survivor for the situation that caused. Um, the angry outburst, and it still does. Mm-hmm. It still creates, um, you know, I hear far too often, and I've had people who've outreached because of the book, where, you know, court systems, regardless of the country, um, where they said, well, what did you do to make them so angry?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There, there is nothing anybody can do that could make an individual so angry that they hit you. Mm-hmm. That they take your, that they create financial control, um, religious control, um, you know, that um, emotional and psychological damage. There mm-hmm. is nothing an individual can do that is a green light for abuse.
0: Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. And
1: so whether you don't like what your spouse does or your partner does, is not an okay response to abuse them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And unfortunately, we are still at a point in 2022 where there is a great amount of individuals who still look at the fact that, well, if, if this person, if, if, if my spouse or partner behaves in a certain way, then I'm entitled to react in a certain way.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm and
1: until that changes mm-hmm. then we're still gonna have abuse yeah and and that's the problem
0: yeah and, and it's good that you talked about the different kinds of abuse uh, because i was uh, just imagining and you mentioned of 2022 the year that we are at and i have come to meet Children, now this, I'm talking about children, not even people who are big enough to be in relationships, but children who are under their parents. And uh, the story now is far much different from when I was growing up and where I grew up because once a child did a wrong back then, maybe maybe now even in some other parts of the world, then the child was going to meet with some serious beating. (laughs) Right. Today you wouldn't. Today you wouldn't hear of such a case where a child is beaten, or I mean, even a, a, a lock in the room is punishment enough that that child can raise a voice to the police, and the police would do something to the parents because the child was locked in the room. I mean, sure. So the different kinds of abuses you mentioned <laughs> in yeah. your. You, you've experienced some of them and some of the extremes and in your in your in your job in your interactions because you've interacted with a lot of people who've been undergoing some domestic violence do you still have such extremes even today in 2022 of uh, beatings and uh, and and all that kind of uh, extremes
1: yeah there You're yes thinking? there still are I mean, there are still people who um, feel that your partners, your children, are property. Mm-hmm. Um, and since you brought up children, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, that um, and children would fall under um, at least, in, you know, or would be child abuse. But mm-hmm. it is teaching the next generation of of how you know, how we, how we, how we react, how we behave. Um, and so you're, you're creating another cycle, um, of, of how we, how we react to, um, uh, violence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when I was counseling with families, um, and trying to work through mindsets, my, my parents were not, um, I would call it hands-on in that capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't people who, who chose to, um, well, if I did what they considered something wrong, um, that, you know, they, they used spanking or, um, or those mechanisms as a way to deal with the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, They were teachable moments Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, where I would hear, Um, somebody who would who would use the well maybe they just need to get a good spanking or they just need um, you know if they were my kid I would I would beat them and they would they would understand never to do it again
0: yeah
1: but honestly then that that does tend to trickle into the same kind of verbiage I heard in my marriage Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, you know if you would just listen to me then I wouldn't have to do the things that I do if Mm -hmm. you would just listen and I wouldn't have to say the things um, and that's exactly how I felt. I mm-hmm. felt like a child who was being disciplined um, and I don't think that it, you know it it is the understanding that what we are in what we teach or what our children see um, and there are people who don't agree with that but we are trying to show as parents, the idea is that we want what's better for our children and coming in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have often said to people who have not agreed with the ideas of domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse. And um, most of the time it's fear or misunderstanding or um, not having to have seen it firsthand and putting it back into somebody and saying, but what if it was your child? What if it was your, you know, your sister, yeah. or you know, what if you found out that it was your mother or um, your brother, um, somebody in your family that you were so closely with, and then they started to tell you that they're in a relationship where somebody was beating them, yeah. um, or yeah. you know, that you were watching your nieces and nephews, and then all of a sudden they didn't want you to touch them, because you know what? That hurt because they had just been, you know, disciplined. Yeah. Um, and I said it would break your heart because that's not how you feel. That that's what you would do. And so, how would you react? Um, and so, it's it is one of those things where you don't feel you would when it comes close to home, and all of a sudden you would do everything to move mountains for a person in your own house to make sure that they are safe and you would want everything to be the right way um, and growing up that they get better it's when it comes close to home that that's when people look to change things because they would never want anyone in their own um, personal space to be able ever to be hurt like that and you're right now it's not okay to to turn around and physically discipline. Oh but I still hear it that people think that that's what would change the world if we would just, you know uh, you know spank kids more than we used to. And, but actually, no, um, it, it's, it's a very different um, way. And believe me, there, I'm sure there are a lot of adults out there that have n- never been punched in the back of the head and i can honestly tell you there's nothing worse than having somebody punch you in the back of the head
0: mm.
1: so if they think that hitting their child is a way to discipline them then then they should wonder what it feels like for themselves if they get punched in the back of the head and get told that if they would just listen that they will they will understand
0: mm. Uh, so thank you very much for sharing that. In your book you tell stories of the experiences that you've been through and come out. I was looking through the table of contents and I see some beautiful uh, or interesting uh, topics there covered in the chapters. Uh, Like all kinds of abuse. uh, another chapter goes, uh, the tale of two vacations and another chapter says uh, broken bones and uh, another one goes a night of assaults. now in your topics in your chapters is there one that you'd like us to share in depth uh, with us here one of them um well Mm -hmm. um
1: well I don't know I didn't even think to pick a, I've never had to just pick
0: a um, I mean your, your whole book is a beautiful one you can just open a page and start <laughs> and dive us into it yeah sure mm-hmm. here you,
1: I will just um, I could let's see here we go I will just start from um well, I could just I'll do chapter yeah, I could just do chapter four.
0: okay we'll um,
1: did, did you want me to read it?
0: You, you do us pleasure of reading a few lines.
1: okay yeah um all right, so um here we go. Mm-hmm. I will do from. Uh, I'll start on, um, it's page 25 and okay. actually this is when, um, my husband actually had, it's, um, from chapter four, all kinds of abuse. Mm-hmm. And this was actually when, um, my husband had gone out and <clears throat> and he had gotten, um, a DUI. Mm. Um, and it was, um, throughout the year and so um he ended up um in 2001 Uh just a little backstory okay um and then he um went out in 2001 my uh, youngest at the time was a year old and he ended up going out with a friend he was supposed to stay sober
0: Uh and
1: then he was not okay Um, At 1045, the evening before I was heading to bed, Chris was assuring me he was sober. Obviously, he wasn't. A friend had called to warn me about his erratic behavior. He had tried to help Chris, but ended up in a fight with him, and Chris had bitten him. He can't come home. The intensity of my anger surprised me. I had never been so forceful. My hands shook. I'm not dealing with him anymore. My mom was at the house staying with us, and she woke up to hear all of this. I called Chris's brother and told him he should not go. He should go pick him up, but not to bring him to our house. Take his keys, otherwise he'll get in the car and drive off. When they reached Chris, Chris called and was spewing hateful comments because I didn't want him to come home. You lazy, fat piece of, you don't make any money. If you don't let me in when I get there, you can just pack your bags and get the F out of my house. I hung up without responding and made sure the doors were locked. Hoping Chris's brother would keep the house keys from Chris, my mom stood and watched with horror. Taken aback by Chris's harsh words that echoed through the the phone, I am done with this nonsense. I half cried and half yelled. When Chris sobered up, he ran off. He called that day, insinuating a new threat. I'm going to kill myself. I would later learn from him. It's the consummate manipulative threat. He wouldn't tell me where he was, so I called the police. When they arrived, I explained the situation, including his threats to end his life. The officers advised me to get a protective order against Chris. So that weekend, with trepidation and a heavy heart, I went to the courthouse and the judge issued an emergency restraining order and a child abuse protection order, considering a considering Chris a danger to the girls and me. As a typical as is typical in abusive relationships, in the next couple of days, Chris ended up apologizing and begging me to let him return home. I love you and the girls. I'll do anything i felt sadness and had compassion for him not for myself i acquiesced what i did for myself was write down everything i wanted from him to make our marriage work i still have the list today no more drinking with friends family must come first you have to go to counseling you have to go on a legitimate job search throughout our marriage chris had chosen his friends over me it stung No spouse wants to be second or third fiddle, especially to alcohol and friends who aren't pointing each other in the right direction. Often Chris would target me as the butt of his jokes in front of friends, much like how his family picked on each other when they grew up. At times those jokes included private information that I did not want others shared. He always followed his mean spirit as wisecracks with, I was just joking as if they made it all okay. When Chris belittled me, the kids and my education, I felt trapped and small, hating the words, but hating the feelings those words caused even more. I was finishing my bachelor's degree and was proud of how I was juggling the many places Chris left me to handle on my own. I was hurt that Chris blamed me for a messy house When it was all I could do to keep up with evening classes, schoolwork, the girls are juggling finances and his alcoholism. He performed bathroom checks, inspecting the insides of toilets as if I was in the military too. If he saw dirt or grime, we were disgusting pigs, not worthy to be part of his family unit. I was much codependent spouse of an addict and a controlling husband, and while I didn't know to call it at the time, I knew deep down I deserved better. The knowing was deep enough that I didn't quite believe it throughout the daily angst. Most of all, my heart ached when Chris acted as if I was different when he was the one who had changed. Our fun year of dating felt like years away, not just four years removed. Mm. Looking back, there were simply not enough time to get to know each other before we were married and then became parents.
0: Mm. That's an interesting chapter. All kinds of abuse. And there's so much inside there that we could discuss over a length of time. But uh, I'll leave that for the listener to go and get the book and read and experience the before and after of those incidents. And uh, for example, I'll just touch on one. Uh, It seems that alcoholism was one of the main culprits of the situation.
1: What uh, on and off, um, he was, um, mm-hmm. you know, and there was a lot about my husband um, that I didn't know. Mm. And um, which is not unusual um, for abuse victims either. Um, mm. I found a lot of things out about my late husband um, after he died um, for, you know, I, he was uh, a military member. Um, when I met him, he was active duty and, um, but, and so I was a military spouse when we, when we were married. Um, and however, after he died, it wasn't until then that I had found out that how he got out of the military, um, he was actually not honorably discharged. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that was for drug and alcohol use.
0: Um,
1: And I had also found that the DUI and alcohol issues that we had um, while he was married, um, there were other states that he had lost his license in for DUIs while Mm -hmm. we were married that I was not privileged to. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: yes, um, you know, um, despite um, others who don't want to hear that, um yeah he he did have issues with binge drinking and blacking out and um angry outbursts um and uh obviously drinking and driving was a huge issue for him Mm. um and so um you know he was but the the hidden life that he was which i think contributed a lot to his insecurities Was that he had a lot of things that even I didn't know about him until after he passed away, Um, which certainly didn't help um, our marriage Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, because there were things that even I didn't know about him, and which didn't help me either um, because then I had to question a lot about who I was married to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, half my life. not knowing somebody that I thought I knew everything about.
0: So, um, about how many years are we talking about? What was, how long? Uh,
1: We were almost married um, 20 years. um, But pretty, uh, in general, we were together 20. um, (laughs) Excuse me, 20 years. Um, But we were just shy of being married. So, we had dated for a year. Mm -hmm. and uh, before we were married, um, and then um, our marriage, we were almost, we were married 19 years.
0: Mm, Okay, and uh, all this time there was that abuse, there was everything going on that was not right, Mm -hmm. and you remained there in the cage. Now, in my own words, I'll put it this way, that the cage broke in your case, But uh, there are those who are in the cage now that need a way to find, uh, I mean, to find their way out of the cage. What would you tell them?
1: Uh, To, you know, find somebody that they can talk to. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Safety planning is essential for victims. Um, It's not a matter, um, for those that aren't, around abuse victims the it, again a myth that you could just leave pack your bags and go
0: mm-hmm.
1: um it can be very dangerous um the most dangerous time for a victim of abuse is from the moment they tell their abuser that they're leaving and two years afterwards mm-hmm. uh, and so for those that are in abusive relationships um finding somebody um that they feel comfortable to confide with Um, and begin that process of how to get out, Um, a shelter um, that may be in their area that they can talk to and how to leave. Um, If they have children, um, agencies that can assist with that process, um, especially if it's um, very volatile and um, they're gonna need legal assistance, Um, if there's financial abuse involved, because they are, Um, quick moving processes that um, they are going to need an enormous amount of support with. Mm. Um, So finding people that they can feel um, because it is hard to feel who they can and cannot confide with um, because you lose trust in so many people. Mm. Um, So finding somebody that you can confide with um, and feel comfortable with and um, know that, um, you're getting um, good advice um, with that process because it is a very bumpy path um, and i I find that people who paint it with um, you know unicorns and butterflies is um, is is not um, it's not a fair um, uh, is is not fair to people who are trying to go through the process mm. um, and mm. um, i I have an, an a wonderful support system and I've had for years um, because even though my abuser has has passed, um, it doesn't mean that I have don't have others that have made um, mine and my daughter's life very um, uh, to be blunt, miserable um, mm-hmm. or have tried to. So um, my support network has um, been wonderful. Um, they have been there for us 24 hours a day at times. Um, and that is extremely important. Um, and in return, there are those that I have and my daughters, we pay in kind. So we own a friend. Um, so if it doesn't matter whether it's two in the afternoon or two in the morning, if somebody needs help, um, you, you know, we we know that somebody might need something. Um, mm-hmm. That's for people. Um, and in return, there are people, if somebody comes to you and says, I, I need help, I'm I'm being abused, or this is happening, um, the best thing somebody can do is listen and be there for them.
0: Yeah, but you mentioned something there which I would like to hear your opinion about, uh, that if someone is going through some, some issues of that nature is just to back up and go. Now, in your honest opinion, do you think that in any uh, uh, kind of abusive uh, relationship, there is no hope? Or if there is hope to straighten things up, uh, which way should they go? I mean, uh, instead of leaving.
1: Well, <laughs> um, well I spent 20 years with that hope that if um, that was part of what was going on for me, is that there was this utopic idea that Mm -hmm. things were always going to get better and if we moved to this place or if if there was a job or if we had more money or i was a better person i i did something i could do this i could change this um i have pictures that span 20 years where i was changing hair colors changing weight changing styles because I could be whatever he wanted me to be. And maybe that would make it better. Yeah. Um, it didn't. It until I realized that I I could be better for me. And yeah. I didn't have to deal with him anymore, that I didn't have to do this anymore. Um, and he needed help. I could not provide the help. It didn't matter how many degrees I collected.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because originally I went to school for speech pathology. Okay. I changed my degree process because I thought I could help him.
0: Mm-hmm. I could
1: help my me yeah
0: um
1: I was going to i was gonna make us better and once I stopped that and realized no i that's not I can't do that um I have to help me, I have to be better for me for my daughters um and that's when I said I'd had enough and i I work on me. And, um, he needed to work on him. the only person that we can ever be in responsible for is ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and um, that was that was when I truly realized I didn't have to do this anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. um,
1: so to say that you can repair an abusive relationship um, no, <laughs> and it's not love either. <laughs> yeah. no um, I think there are people out there who think that you can um through all the psychological counseling in the world and we can be stronger if he hits you, if he if he calls you names or she because there is a partners and there's uh, with a, a spanning all communities so it happens uh, to everyone. Yeah. Um, then no, no it's it's not. It doesn't mean that they um, you can't, maybe be cordial or friendly but not as partners because that damage has already done
0: okay oh thank you thank you thank you very much for sharing with us all that is in your book uh, caged and at this point i want to thank each and every person who's been listening to this and those who get to listen even after we are through with the interview through the other podcast uh, platforms that we share it on. We share it on Audible, Google uh, Podcast, iTunes, all of them. You can always go there and search for Book Talk at Book Place and listening to, the, to this episode and other episodes before and in the future. And uh, one mention I will have to make uh, through this uh, show is Soher Rana Biswas says... Uh, glad seeing both of you, uh, so thank you very much Sohail and all the others who have been watching and have not commented, thank you very much. And uh, before we go, I would like to two things, one uh, one is in your book there's one chapter titled Today, that has, that, does this ha- have something to do with your life in the present day? Or what is in that title? I'm curious.
1: Um, today, um, as I um, the the idea today, in some respects, um, today the chapter of today was done um, as I wrote the book, mm-hmm. but um, it also is kind of an ever changing chapter too because. Okay as I, as I keep going forward, um, it is a moving chapter, um, Mm -hmm. for me today, um, goes forward. And as I keep, um, healing, um, my daughters, um, keep healing and, um, we go forward. Um, and I, I think it's a, a positive message for those that are look, are trying to get out of uh abusive relationships Mm -hmm. um it's a very positive message but um for survivors it's it's one more um it's one more champion um for for those of us um because we are living and moving forward and the three of us have have done um very positive um pieces for our lives and um we are happy people and Mm. they're despite maybe those that would like to see otherwise um and there are always going to be those i think that's a way of life but um and we have just like everybody else which is a good thing in itself we have good days and bad days um but that's helping us get back to where we should be which is normal um because for a while we didn't feel normal and Mm um and so that's it's a really good place for us to be now um Mm. and um we're very strong and we're strong together um so today today's a it's a chapter in the book um but it's also an evolving chapter because it it doesn't change um it it's it's ever evolving for me
0: and i agree with you we are always evolving on a day-to-day basis we, through the experiences that we get to meet on a daily basis as we continue to live, meet new people, go to different places. I mean, we can always tell the same story in a different way tomorrow than we told it yesterday.
1: Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I'm enjoying that. I, I've met some wonderful people um, and um, people who have stories that um, it is there. It's a somebody said, Oh, it's such a depressing topic. Yes. Yes, it is a depressing topic. There is no way around that. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be a very on the table, um, discussion. Um, and, uh, but I have met some wonderful people. Um, it's great for healing. It's, um, great for moving forward. Um, and it, it allows us to, um, keep challenging, um, areas that need to um not be improved but Mm. just straight up need to be changed
0: oh yes and uh today we've been talking about the book caged by lara Sabanosh, and we are just about to go off air but two things before we go off air one uh, please tell us where we can find the book uh
1: sure um the you can find it on, um, you know, Amazon is. Um, you can find it. Um, uh, Barnes and Noble is another. Um, you can go straight to my website, which has all the links for that as well. Which is um, uh, my my name, larsabinaj.com, and um, you can buy one directly from me, which is signed copy. Um, And of course, it also has a way to engage with me and my social media sites, which if you'd like to send me messages, I'm Mm -hmm. always um, interested in feedback and hearing from people as well.
0: Yeah, and we will share those links on the show once it's through uh, for you to go and buy the book or connect with Lara and uh, get to experience life together from the cage. And last but not least, on Book Talk, before you go, we always ask the author to leave us with some words that we are always going to remember. Which are they? Oh,
1: Well, I encourage people to never stop speaking um, So um, because that was always my issue, which brought me to write my book. Um, so um, when somebody tries to silence you, please speak up and be heard.
0: Go, speak up and be heard. Don't be silent. So this is to you, the viewer, the listener, or whoever is out there, don't keep silent, speak out. And uh, just a reminder, go and get the book, Caged by Lara Sabanosh, and read it, and uh, see what was in the cage and how to get out of the cage. And uh, we are very glad that you've taken your time watch and we are very glad of you lara that you've taken your time to come and share with us all about your book thank you very much
1: thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure
0: yeah it was a pleasure too and uh bye for now bye bye yeah